episodes in hopes to inspire others to converse like us. I'm your host, Ashar, and this is another installment of the Dialectic series, where we investigate a topic personal to someone in hopes to grow in the idea together. On today's episode, I am sitting down with Eugene. He's currently finishing his degree in economics at the University of Texas, but is actively pursuing a career in professional boxing. In today's episode, we cover two topics, what role do emotions play in our lives, and when is violence necessary? This episode is pretty technical, but it gets at the heart of the importance of defining words and understanding their place in specific ideas. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Good man, I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Have you have you? I mean, besides the the prototype runs that we've run through, obviously, have you been interviewed in this uh, sort of capacity? Um, no, I can't say that I have. Okay. I can't okay. say that I have. Are you excited? I'm I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, this to me is kind of just like a another conversation that we have. You Honestly, know? yeah. So it's not like uh, I'm treating it any differently than I would when I would just be hanging out with you. you know? Of course. Well, At least, you can ignore this um, live studio. Oh, the live nice. studio audience. Ah, <laughs> unless, unless you think that uh, it should be more like formal or like, or anything like that. Okay. It's just talk, talk the way you want to talk, my okay. friend. Very but, good. Uh, for the listeners at home, uh, I want to kind of deep dive on who you are, um, Mr. Yeah, Eugene. So tell me, uh, what are you kind of doing in your life right now? And like, what are your hopes for the future? Right. So my, uh, my name is Eugene uh, Husey. Um, I am 24 years old currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a competitive boxer. Mm-hmm. I'm also wrapping up an economics degree through the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I, I'm just like a big nerd, dude. You know, we out here. That's okay. A big nerd who knows how to punch people. Yeah. Well, and, tell me about that, because I, you know, the last thing I expect from a economics major is a, a, a sort of a path towards professional boxing. So how'd that yeah. kind of come about? Um, yeah. So I, I was a much bigger, uh, just kid growing up, right, mm-hmm. uh, and that carried out even through like college, and uh, I had a phase where I like over one summer I just lost like a bunch of weight, like. Um, I lost like 70 pounds in a span of like a month and a half. Uh, and uh, one of my cousins introduced me to boxing at the time as a form of uh, working out, just like another uh, workout instead of just the usual, like, you know, go lift weights, go run, go this, go that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something to kind of like mix it up a little bit. And so I go to this boxing gym, this like fitness boxing gym. And I go in, I learn how to throw my punches. Uh, mind you, at this time, I'm contemplating if whether or not I'm a pacifist right because I I really dislike confrontation of like uh, many varieties I hate drama I hate all that stuff you know I'm just like a a, a big advocator of love Mm -hmm. Um, but I started boxing and uh, I ended up being really good at it Uh, and so now I want to see how far I can take it because I feel like it would you know I don't want to have that like regret later on that like what if so how long have you been doing it actively like pursuing that path um so i started boxing about four years ago mm-hmm. 
um, about two, two years into my boxing journey, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so that caused me to, to take a, basically a sabbatical from boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't in the gym at all for about two years. Mm -hmm. I was still watching, you know, uh, all of the professional boxing that was like the, the very little that was actually, um, occurring during COVID. Uh, and I was also still like learning technique, shadow boxing, you know, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't in the gym. Um, and I've been back in the gym for the past like year and a half or so. And yeah, we're out here now about four, four years, all going on five years of boxing. Oh, heck yeah. So I want to kind of tiptoe it back to sure. the other thing, which we talked about is the economics degree. Yeah. What, what made you choose economics? Um, so when I was first at the university of Texas, uh, I was actually in there for electrical engineering. Okay. Um, and I realized within my first semester that I didn't like either uh, coding or circuitry, mm -hmm. which are the two branching paths of electrical engineering. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I figured that out early on. Uh, and uh, at UT, if you wanted to transfer into typically people, what I was kind of more interested in was the math side of things, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily the, like the coding side of things, because I just, I'm a numbers guy. I'm really good with, I, I, you know, I, I understand numbers. Yeah. And so I, I figured that a mathematics degree wasn't going to serve me any purpose. Um, and also I did not, like once we started removing the numbers uh, in math, that's when I kind of started straying away from math a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so it's either business or economics. Um, my GPA wasn't good enough to go into the Macomb School of Business. So I ended up going down the path of economics. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So... You kind of highlighted that boxing is the sort of goal dream, but what would you possibly do with the economics degree if, let's say, boxing weren't to work out? Um, I mean, I feel like sales is the like quote unquote safest next step, and also I have a lot of connections in that like realm. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether it be like tech sales or you know some other form of sales, probably something in that sphere. Um, but I definitely do want to even if. So even if my like quote unquote boxing dream doesn't come to fruition, I still do want to uh, eventually open my own boxing gym and coach boxing. Okay. Um, but in order to do that, I need the experience first. Got it. So it's one of those things where even if boxing doesn't pan out in the professional aspect, just having that experience will help use that. Yeah. Economics. That's you know? that's like the the sphere that I want to continue to like live. Like I don't want to do sales for the next fifty years of my life. Yeah. You know. Uh, I want to like, if I could choose something to do for the rest of my life, mm -hmm. being a, like a coach would definitely be up there. Okay. Like, yeah. Like a boxing coach. That's awesome. Yeah, I man. think that's a good plan. So I want to kind of shift away from your personal life and sure. see how your um, relationship to some topics that I think are central to the questions I typically ask. Of course. Um, so the first thing I want to like, you know, deep dive on is your relationship to politics, you know. Whether that's you being a political person, a political activist, or you know anything, to even just like you're just completely like I don't really keep up with it. What is your what is your stance? What are your thoughts? Um, so I think politics is extremely complicated because it's not just like American politics, right? Like there's an entire world of politics, mm -hmm. and so I kind of. I kind of stay away from that a little bit. Do you stay away from it because you don't necessarily value it? Or do you think it's just too complex that you're just like, I, I don't even know where to start? 
Um, I think it's more so I, I don't really respect politicians. No. <laughs> <laughs> to fair. be completely honest with you, um, the like, I, I know some people in politics and um, internationally, and then I, uh, I know some people in the U.S. that have ties uh, to political organizations and like affiliate organizations, you know, in our age group. Um, and obviously, like you can't, you know, generalize from a few specific people. Yeah. Um, but politics definitely, to me, uh, does not seem like an honorable uh, path currently. Mm-hmm. So. And that extends, do you think, to global politics as well? Or is it just, like, your experience in American politics specifically? Most, it's politics across the board, almost. Okay. okay. Almost, like, unilaterally, all politicians, because because of how deep money is involved in politics, right? Mm. And not on, like, the surface level, but on a, a, on a, you know, under the table level. That makes sense. So, you know, that's definitely a, a good... I guess it's a criticism of the system itself, but do you have any sort of political affiliation with uh, certain stances, opinions, or, you know, some of the day-to-day stuff? Yeah. Um, I would say that socially I'm extremely liberal um, in that I consider myself a very, like, open-minded individual, and I think that people should just be allowed to do almost, you know, whatever makes them happy, Mm -hmm. you know? And if something makes someone happy and it's not... uh, detrimental to somebody else's life in a sense that like it you know it's causing physical pain or like it's causing you know like if somebody isn't hurting somebody else then they should be able to do whatever they want Mm -hmm. uh whether or not you know that makes me more liberal or more conservative or you know whatever yeah yeah Um, that's a that's a conversation for another because because it's kind of like both sides can have that stance right and that um at least in america in particular liberals are are if you take if you stereotype a a little bit uh liberals are more like socially open Mm -hmm. in that they uh you know they they want freedom of like um of i guess not freedom but like acceptance of variety of variety different of cultures. different lifestyles as well yeah, right yeah, yeah. um and all that and then conservatives they're highly advocating the like freedom of speech and like saying whatever you want to say living however you want to live stuff like that mm-hmm. now whether one group is right or wrong mm-hmm. that's it's not for me to decide fair enough. <laughs> okay people should just live their lives however they want to live if you had to pick some sort of political position because it seems to me that like generally speaking politics is just kind of like a eh for you and you can correct me if i'm wrong but is there some issue in modern day politics maybe specifically america or maybe globally that really gets you passionate or that you feel more inclined to sort of be an active member in the conversation um i mean is it so are we separating political uh, ideologies with social ideologies uh i don't i don't necessarily see how you can because i mean what do you what do you mean by that decision? like if you take it like so i i feel like some social ideologies are immediately um labeled under a specific group of people could you right. give me an example of a social ideology? Like, for instance, um, let's say, this, I think this is a kind of a, an interesting one to talk about, like anti-vaxxers, right? 
Mm, like okay. nowadays, anti-vaxxers are, are like if, if somebody says, oh, that person is an anti-vaxxer, you immediately think of like MAGA hat, like, you so know, like the social connotations boots. that come with some sort of positional thing. But here's the thing. Okay. If you were to say anti-vaxxer a decade ago, somebody would think of like a hippie with like, you know, like a white person with dreadlocks type beat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the political issue stays the same, but the social ideology is just like what our perceptions of the people are. Is that like a good way to define yeah, it? Yeah, because you're asking about political ideologies, right? But well, like... then let's pick political, like a specific issue. So like in your example, it would be the idea of anti-vax as opposed to what an anti-vaxxer is typically seen as. So is there any issue like that that you get passionate about? Um, well, I don't really know which side my stances fall upon on certain oh, that's things you it's know what just, i mean it's it's specifically how you feel about an issue we'll we'll, we'll work out whether it um falls into what well it depends what issue like anything like because anything. i again i try to steer as okay. like i don't watch the news at all oh, okay. right like i don't watch any cnn msnbc fox like i zero so I, would you say that you typically can't mm, pull out a thought on some sort of topic unless that topic was brought up to you specifically um, like, like if we were to have a conversation about anti-vax, you'd be like, oh yeah, but like if I were to think about it, or if I were to say like, what's the immediate like political thing that comes into your head? Nothing will because you don't really think about it. But if I were to ask your opinion on what, like, you don't know, yeah. a war or like... Exactly. Yeah, if you, you were to ask to my opinion it. about something, I would give you my opinion on that thing. But I don't know whether or not, like where that would fall uh, within the, the confines of the political spectrum. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, are there any said issues outside that that you just kind of, I guess, get passionate about? Like, specifically? Maybe not, like, not in terms of the political spectrum. Maybe, like, switch to social. Um, so something that I am a, kind of passionate about is, and it's a, it's a very specific thing, right? Um, so it's about trans athletes in in sports okay right i have zero pro again you know i just yeah, want to preface this by saying fine. that i i love trans people you know i have nothing wrong with people who identify as yeah. trans um but i think that there is a a large advantage in um a male to female athlete competing in a female sport okay okay perfect all righty well, I think that's a great way to segue into the next thing I want to kind of investigate your relationship to, and that's religion. Um, sure. Like, what are, what's your sort of connection to formalized religion or even not formalized? Like, if there's, like, some sort of spiritual group that you're part of. Yeah, man. Um, so, I, my upbringing with religion was kind of weird. So, my father's side of the family is, uh, is Muslim, and then my mother's side of the family is uh, Orthodox. Um, Greek Orthodox. I don't know what true denomination it's called. Christian. The, she is Christian, okay, yeah, okay, but okay. specifically Greek Orthodox. Okay. Um, like whatever that denomination is, which I, I that's I, fine. Which yeah. should in, indicate, show you indicate you, uh, where, you to, where your relationships yeah, going. Um, Got it. But so I've I've gone to church when I was younger. I've gone to mosque when I was younger. Um, I've you know I've seen many different you know I've I've grown up with Jewish people. I've learned a lot about uh, that religion. I've learned a lot about Hinduism, Buddhism, um, and I, I, I personally consider myself agnostic. Mm -hmm. um, I think religion is very important 
though, because uh, it creates that community. You know, it gets people together, it gets people helping each other, uh, and religion also preaches love and not hate and violence, which is kind of yeah. what, what I can get behind, you know? Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So religion is good, you know. Religion is good. Helps I think, community, yeah. okay. Um, and so I'm actually from Albania, uh, which is a country that up until recently was an atheist state because it was under uh, a dictatorship. And the first thing the dictator did was strip all religion out of the country. Mm -hmm. um, he like transformed uh, cathedrals and, and churches and mosques into essentially bars, mm -hmm. um, kind of de-holifying it, you know, uh, making it unpure. Making it purely secular. Exactly. Um, Not even secular, purely just a-religious. Yeah. And uh, so in 91, when the dictator came out of power, uh, everyone was like, well, we don't know what we are. So everyone should just like believe what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. And let's all work together. <laughs> like the community became the country as opposed to like the, the, the religions. Mm -hmm. um, and Albania is actually one of the few countries in the world with zero religious uh, conflict. conflict. Okay, cool. So the last thing that I want to sort of see your relationship with um, in this sort of biographical section of mm -hmm. the, the episode is uh, your relationship to philosophy. Um, obviously, we've been friends, and I uh, definitely talk about it a lot, but uh, do you, what, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, do you use it in your life? Are you uh, personally involved in it at all? What, what do your... Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so I, I really am interested in... in so the way that I view philosophy is kind of just like everybody's view of the world, right? Okay. Um, and it kind of like bases how people see reality. Yeah. In a way. Um, and I find it interesting to, to read people who, like, for instance, you know, Marcus Aurelius, mm -hmm. if you read um, his meditations, it's literally just his diary and his view of the world and how he sees things. And it's... And, and that's kind of like the, the, his philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think everybody should have their own philosophy. I think everybody should read as much as they can uh, and think as much as they can. Okay, fair enough. So is that, so you, you emulate that? You, you read and you try to pursue sort of formulating worldviews and stuff like that? I try to. I try to, I try to read as much as I can about as many different things as I can mm -hmm. um, and try to just like see things from as many different perspectives as possible. Okay. And I think a, a commonality of ours, which is magic, is yes. a great, uh, you know, a, a appliance of perspective and differences of perspectives. Yes, that makes sense. All right, perfect. Well, I think that's a good stopping point on kind of seeing what the background of you, it, what your background is. Um, so what we're going to do is we'll take a little break and yeah. we'll come back with the questions. Definitely, man. So, the first question I'm going to ask is, what is the role of emotions in life? So, kind of digging deep a little bit more into what you mentioned in philosophy about philosophy being one's worldview, and specifically bringing up Marcus Aurelius, him being a Stoic, as well as, you know, talking about different religions and the keys to them, um, like Buddhists, the idea of emotions as a source of suffering is very prevalent. And so, they tend to not necessarily demonize it or vilify it, but they say that following some sort of logic or peace or internal like compass of reason 
is the better course of action because it allows one to sort of dissuade you from some sort of like um, like unnecessary suffering. But there's other people who say that emotions are the thing that sort of em, 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 let me say it. emotions are sort of the thing that motivate and push us to feel things so that way we actually give any sort of care about the life that we're living. So where do you kind of fall in that? What are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Um, so I have, so my view on emotions is that emotions are both kind of like a byproduct of like the human can human body kind of like if mm -hmm. your stomach's hungry or if your stomach's like if you haven't eaten in a while your stomach's gonna get it's, it's gonna start hurting mm -hmm. right uh just in that same vein if you are you know if you haven't had sex in a while you're, you're gonna get lusty or if you if you you know stuff like that um i but i also think that emotions are what makes us human mm -hmm. in that we get to feel happiness, we get to feel sadness, we get to feel jealousy, we get to feel all of this, this wide variety of emotions that isn't just survival, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I also think that emotions are something that can get not dangerous for us, but something that can definitely like alter sort of our frame of mind and like what we're trying to achieve yes like we can't let our emotions get out of control mm -hmm. right we have to keep our emotions in control and but also enjoy them while they're happening mm -hmm. because if you if you just completely suppress all of your emotions then that's either going to lead to a miserable existence or that's going to lead to a, a huge explosion down the line yeah like a, like a sort of stress impulse or whatever yeah exactly so You've kind of distinguished what the pros and cons of each one are, but how does that necessarily apply to an actual lived experience? Like, how do you take that and put it to your life or maybe how you would recommend it to another person? Right. Um, so I would say that we should allow our emotions to, to, to show themselves and to fully blossom, but also at the same time not allow them to dictate our actions. Mm -hmm. Right. For, for instance, in boxing, mm -hmm. if one boxer is more emotional than the other boxer in the ring, then they might, uh, you know, they, they might get angry and they might start throwing more punches. They might start stop thinking so much and uh, they ultimately will be a worse boxer as opposed to if the other guy is completely in control of his emotions and just cool minded, thinking, calculated, almost cold in a sense. Um, when need to be, then you can utilize that, right? And then you can also utilize being angry when you need to be angry, or you can utilize being, uh, you know, happy in a, a very happy moment. Mm -hmm. um, well, so, well, let me, I kind of want to dig deep on what it means to control one's emotions. Sure. So, like, how... How would you, maybe not recommend, but how do you think that happens? How does one control one's emotions? Uh, I think in order to control your emotions, you need to be able to identify them, first of all, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think you also need to be 
you, I, I think a great way of controlling your emotions is by putting your body in stressful, stressful situations, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because I, I feel like, so how I was speaking, how, how I was saying earlier, um, how we get to enjoy our emotions because we're not in a survival state. Yeah. Right. Um, because if you're in a survival state, then you're not thinking about how happy you are, how, how sad you are, how tired you are, or if, you know, or if something's embarrassing or if you're jealous about something, you're not thinking about any of that. All you're thinking about is survival. Yeah. All you're thinking about is, okay, how do I get out of the situation that either I'm in or how do I, you know, get food? How do I survive? How do I continue living? Mm -hmm. um, and the way that I do it, I go, you know, I'm a boxer. Yeah. I'm in very stressful situations frequently, but even if I'm not boxing, um, I, you know, I run every day. I'm in the gym. Uh, I do something to where my body is in a state of almost distress mm -hmm. to where I'm just in that like survival mode. And when I'm in that survival mode, whenever I get out of it and I'm just like, like how we are right now, we're very like relaxed, we're very comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I've just done something very tiring, very, you know, strenuous, strenuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, this is like, nothing can, can phase me anymore. Right. Yeah. Like I can't be saddened anymore, but obviously if something like if, you know, knock on wood, this doesn't happen but if somebody passes away yeah you know i'll be able to like express my sadness mm -hmm. of that but it's not like i'm not gonna let like little inconvenience like little th little bits of sadness over overtake mm -hmm. my uh no so my emotional mood let me try to summarize your position please just to see what it is so would you say that i'm kind of just kind talking huh i'm just kind of rambling no you're fine. <laughs> I would, that's it's a stream of consciousness um so you're saying that emotions uh, are good in the sense they allow one to sort of live a life that is felt, right? Is the most human feeling that's possible. But they do have a downside of sort of tainting maybe our rational capacities to make good decisions or things like that. Yeah. So far, so good. Okay, cool. You're saying that it is necessary to be able to use emotions when necessary and not use emotions when it isn't necessary. Correct. I think we should we should uh, experience emotions and allow them to manifest themselves, um, but not allow them to take over. To take over. And you say that right now the best way to control that is to put yourself in situations that emulate in survival mode, and then that way when you're in relaxed mode, it sort of levels out. Is that correct? That's so. That's the like the day to day like way of doing it. I, but I think it's more so of. It, it, it requires you to truly explore your emotions to be able to control them, right? Like mm -hmm. leaning into them in order to understand them. And then once you can understand them and understand how your body reacts to certain emotions, mm -hmm. um, if certain emotions trigger you more than other emotions, stuff like that. Work through it. Work through that. So how does the the sort of point of survival play into that? Like the like putting yourself in a survival state. Well, it's kind of that contrast from emotion and no emotion. Yeah. Right? Like you like when you're in that survival mode, you're like you're cold, almost emotionless just cuz you, all you're thinking about is finishing whatever ta it, like you're being present completely and utterly present in your current uh, task. Okay. Um and I think and 
I think in that situation, emotions kind of get pushed to the side. Okay. Right? Um, and by, by pushing your emotions to the side for a little bit, when they do come back, then you can, you can see the, the, the contrast from no emotion to what the emotion actually is. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. What stops someone from just using that as a crutch to not deal with emotions? Because dealing with emotions is sometimes not easy. So going back to the passing away situation, the immediate harm of grief sometimes is something that people want to avoid. I mean, the, the, what, the stages of grief, one of them is denial, correct? Mm -hmm. So what is to stop someone from using that sort of survival technique just to avoid their emotions entirely because it's so much more hurtful to actually feel through it? Uh, I think that's something that that person needs to work on themselves I, <laughs> on a, on a case-by-case case basis. I say on the situation of, well, for, I, I say it in the situation, right, if, if it's a virtue to be able to control emotions healthily, the way of control becomes a very important tool. Right. And if we're talking about ways to best utilize a tool, we should find the methods that promote the most effective Absolutely. counsel, right? So the, the reason why I bring up the criticism is that, A, I think this sort of, like using the survival technique, right, to shut off, to go into that no emotion state, though can be beneficial, I don't think it's the most efficient way because I think most people who do that use it as a tool to avoid their emotions more than control it. So like, if, if I don't have to feel anything that I feel and I can suppress it, that's a better way of looking at it in the sense of like, not better in the sense of I'm actually processing my emotions, but better in the sense that I don't have to feel it. It's the same logic between like, like some people who binge eat or some people who use drugs. It's numbing. It's essentially going to the numbest place that you can. And in the survival instinct, when you're just working out twice a day, you know, eating healthy, they're starving yourself of certain calories or just fixating it. Not that everybody On case does. by case basis. Yeah, basis. case by case. But the point being is that that tendency does arise in um, a decent amount of people. Um, obviously, I don't know the statistics or anything like that. But I, I don't think it's hard to imagine someone wanting to numb themselves by doing whatever they can. Um, so, so with that criticism, I guess, what are your thoughts with that like, idea? Well, I would say that if you're going through something that's so overwhelming and so painful that you are seeking some form of numbing, um, that going into that, that for, for instance, you know, going to the gym and training like super hard uh, is better than going to another form of numbing, such as like, you know, again, case by case basis is like alcoholism or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, some other form of, of like, a, like an opiate or something. But why is that form better? Um, I would, I would say that exercise is better than benzodiazepines. Fair enough. <laughs> um, just as a general. <laughs> but if there's a harm, there's a harm, correct? So like, yeah. if, if it's the case, right, that so let's say like the, the sort of processing of emotions, but lead or the lack of processing emotions and the numbness is coming from this, right? Any vice is a vice. You know, we're not going to, we don't sit here, discriminate between sex addicts versus alcoholics because, you know, you know, alcohol only really, if you, as long as you don't drink and drive, you know, you're just harming yourself versus sex addicts. You could be ruining relationships. You yeah. could be spreading diseases. We don't sit there and talk about those logistics and addictions and addiction. Of course. So 
what is to say that, you know, even though exercise could be objectively healthier, the problem is still there that you're not processing the emotions. And as you said, if you don't control your emotions, it can lead to blow up. Absolutely. So that is, I guess, the harm mm. that I, I am seeing where it's like, if, if we need, if let's say numbness, right? Let's, let me see if you agree with this. The idea of seeking numbness is probably an emotion unresolved. And if that's the case, that's probably mostly an emotional reaction in the sense of like your, it's fear of the emotion itself. So there's a new emotion that's doing this emotion. If that's the case, then essentially we're using a controlling mechanisms to avoid controlling an emotion. Does that make sense? I can rephrase if I need to. Uh, could you rephrase, please? If exercise and this sort of methodology is a form of control, it's to teach me to control my emotions, right? To so, sort of know the difference, to process, and then to be able to have such a contrast so I can sit with my emotions. This becomes a tool of control of my emotions. But I've essentially given an instance, right, where that tool of control needs a tool of control as well, in the sense of if I'm using it as a vice. If I'm using this thing as a vice, the vice is to my numbness, and numbness is an emotional reaction. To cure my numbness, my seeking of numbness, I would have to control my emotions, correct? So, if this line follows, I would need a tool of control for the tool right. of control. It, if in the, the case that, so when, when I say um, lack of emotion or numbness in a sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily mean so it, it, I think that in those scenarios where uh, going to the gym or seeking these, these more strenuous, or like being in discomfort, right? Yeah. Um, like if, if, if being in discomfort and being uh, in strenuous survival mode becomes an addiction for you, or for whoever, for, yeah. for a, a person, person then a person X, yes. Um, then I think that they are misusing it. But how, did, how do you determine misuse versus proper use? Well, misuse is if it becomes detrimental to you in life, right? If it becomes, yeah. but if it, if it is only providing beneficial, um, right? If, if it becomes detrimental, then... Yeah, you obviously would, stop you would, doing it. Do something would, else. You, you would need some sort of good judgment, correct? Um, uh, yes. Of whether this is detrimental or positive. I think you just correct. need to reflect, right? Reflection, good judgment. Yeah, reflection. Aren't those all tools of control? Sure. I don't think there's any yeah, one, yeah, one specific tool. tool. Yeah, but, yeah. but you can say that... Like a, a house is not built with only a single course, hammer. Of course, of course, of course. Um... So it's, it would be tools plural, but there. But the the point that I'm kind of getting at, and the criticism that I'm I'm lodging, yeah. is using sort of exercise as a tool for emotional control. If we've just dictated that to determine whether it's healthy or unhealthy, we have essentially you know to do that to determine that we need tools that will help us reflect. Yes. Of control. So. The criticism I'm launching is that we need tools of control to to use a tool of control. To work in conjunction with other tools. Of control. Of control. So, not, not so, necessarily well, of control, but of of I would I would call it more so of understanding. Because if you can understand your emotions, then you can let them not take over you. But isn't that a tool of control? 
Because you're controlling your emotions, correct? But you're controlling yourself, you know? Like, how is that different? How would you consider walking a tool of control of your muscles? Or, or like, yeah. contractions? Well, then... your brain would be controlling your legs to do walk. Yes, you would. So then, yeah, it would be a tool of control. But it's, it's in the sense of, like... I, I well, think of no. emotions as, as just... So, so the way that I'm talking about... Of the, of the so, I, and I get your point with the, the legs and the mechanics, 100%. There's a chain of control. Yes. What my criticism isn't that there's a flaw or a contradiction in saying that emotions are a true, like there's a, that exercise can be a tool of control for emotions. I'm saying that there's an extra tool that you would need to identify. If we're talking about emotions and we've talked about there's a secondary layer of control tools to determine whether this avenue of emotional control is proper or not, mm -hmm. then why would we refer to the f the first thing when there's a secondary tool that encompasses all those tools within it. Does that make sense? Can you can you So so take a so the criticism I'm launching and this might be very technical so sorry if you get confused. Um so what I'm saying is that if you have let's say you're saying that for me to have a healthy relationship to let's say exercise, right? Or, or for me to have a healthy relationship to my emotions, exercise is a really good, or putting yourself in stressful situations is a really good way of controlling yes. my emotions, right? In so there's like a one, there's two objectives. There's me, the subject, and two, the object, my goal. And the best way to do that is to um, sort of use this sort of tool, which is exercise, vice, you know, exercise, strenuous activity, danger. There's like a direct line. What I'm saying is there's a sort of problem in between this to this or this to this. Yes. It causes issues with this yes. one line. So I would say that strenuous exercise uh, is a tool not for immediately controlling your emotions, but for a tool for un better understanding your emotions. And then you have to do the work to understand your emotions and how you how you personally react to certain emotions, mm -hmm. understanding that, understanding what causes certain things to trigger certain emotions. So putting yourself in strenuous and danger activities is it's kind a, of like is turning a, on it the, is, the you, system. Is it turning on the system or is it just one tool to achieve that? Because well, then there would be multiple tools to achieve emotional control, which, yes. which is fine. But the question... So, that would be different than what we were originally saying, right? Because the, the original question I asked is, is there, like, what is a tool? What is a specific thing? Like, what, not that's, even what is a, a tool. That's a specific thing that I personally use. That's a tool right? that you go to. That's a, that's a specific tool that I so, personally use in my day-to-day -day life. So that's where, that's where I pulled that, that example was, out of. Okay. So right? from my own personal anecdote. Which is totally fair. Yeah. Um, my question, and I guess maybe not necessarily a criticism, but if we're asking what control means, to give an example does not define what it means to control. Right. It would just be an example. It's just an example so of a way going, that I... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So going back, and this could be completely because I misunderstood, but to go back to the question, what would it mean to control an emotion? Would you say it's better understanding? Like Yes, you exactly. Yeah, you should understand how... You should understand that emotion, first of all, right? The... the how, what that emotion entails for you personally mm -hmm. like how some people react to grief differently than other people some people react to um you know euphoria different than other people some people react to 
a, a variety of different emotions in different ways from other people. Mm -hmm. I think that understanding how a specific emotion uh, affects you personally is will it, it will help you down the line mm -hmm. of life. And one of the ways to do that is through is that, through yeah, or to read more or to talk or to more. yeah okay. exactly cool. going to therapy, going you know doing. Got it. Several, there are yeah. m multiple, multiple different avenues of doing that. Okay. The one that I have been applying in my specific life right now is, is, is the strenuous exercise. Okay, so to summarize this before we move on, we talked about, you know, the original question was what is uh, the role of emotions in your life? We discussed that emotions are both problematic but also positive. Problematic in the sense that they can taint the actions that we do. They can push us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. Um, but they're good in the sense that they're the most human thing about it. It makes what life, you know, worth living and it makes it enjoyable. Mm -hmm. The way to synthesize the positives and the negatives is to have some sort of control of that. Yes. And the control is to fully understand what emotions are happening when and how to deal with it for you individually at any given moment. Exactly. And for you personally, you're doing that through boxing. Does that seem like a good summary of the position we've That seems like a, yeah, it seems like a, a very good, I feel like we had a bunch of different ideas kind of floating around and that's a very good way of- Seems really, okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to stop that question and we can move on to the next. Yeah, man. So the next question is, when is violence necessary? You kind of briefly mentioned um, in your sort of boxing journey that you started out being a pacifist. Um, but because of, you know, the experience of, you know, doing boxing as a sort of workout and sort of going through those motions, you, you know, you never really, we never really dig, dug deep into what that meant. So I kind of wanted to investigate what right. violence and the role of it is in your life. Yeah, of course. Um, so I would like to preface by saying that I think that some people view boxing as violent. Mm -hmm. I view boxing as play fighting okay. because there's a referee, there are judges, mm -hmm. right? And especially at the, like the amateur level, mm -hmm. um, you have, you know, you have big headgear, you have bigger gloves so that there, nothing is actually that damaging. Mm -hmm. um, and also if the ref sees that, and again, this is in, specifically in boxing, if the referee sees that you're taking too much damage, like you're getting hit too much without doing anything, He's going to stop the fight, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it, it never gets to the point where it, it's ever actually, like, a street fight, like, violence-like. Mm. So, you kind of emphasize the harm or the chaotic nature of there to be violent, and that's what, you know, juxtaposes, or juxtapose it with boxing. It's not the same. But what would you define as violence? Because I think some people would hear that and they would say, no, it's, that is violence. You know, the street, street fight is violence. Yeah. But so is, you know, play fighting. Anything, yeah. any fighting is violence. So yes. what would you define violence? And, so you know, we can So I would define violence as um, a spontaneous act that has been caused by flaring emotions. Okay. Right. In that uh, a boxing match mm -hmm. is not two random people that don't know what they're doing, just getting mad at each other. Somebody spilled a drink or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody just gets super mad, just wants to unleash some sort of emotion on upon this other person. Yeah. In a boxing match, you have two people who have 
been training for the boxing match, right? They're, they've been simulating that specific event over and over and over again to try and get to the best level that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both playing by a specific rule set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say that the best way that you can see that one, like the, the differentiation between a, a, like a boxing match violence and then like a, a, a bar fight by violence is after the boxing match, the two people are hugging each other saying, hey, good job, you know, that was a good match, whether you win or lose. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a bar fight, the guy that just beat you up and left you for dead essentially is, or if it gets that far, right? It doesn't have to necessarily get that far. The two people that were fighting, if they ever see each other again, there's just going to be that, that tension between each other. So let me ask you some follow-up questions. So first, are you claiming that the boxing is not violence and the, the fight at the bar is violence? I would, I would say okay, that's cool. yes. So I have two kind of counterexamples I want to throw at you. Please. One is more specifically for the boxing analogy or the bar fight versus mm-hmm. the boxing. And then the other one is a criticism on the definition itself. So the one with the boxing versus the bar fight, you said that one of the signs that could indicate that it's not violence is the fact that there's no tension at the end of it. One of the examples that I thought about was what about domestic violence at the home? Both people still love each other at the end of it. That's the thing where it's like... But there's still a lot of tension. But does tension, you know, you'd have to define what tension means in the sense of like, you know, um, it's like in the, the bar fight situation, right? You left me for dead. I hate you. Like I am antagonized by you or I see you as this type of thing. But there's some situations where like even like in domestic violence situations where the victim doesn't know that there's a problem. Like, yeah, they, they'll feel bad. They'll feel threatened. They'll feel scared. And that might be the tension and that might be the violence. But one could say that intention versus anticipation or anxiety i mean i think those are fear aren't those feelings that some boxers would feel even in the ring they would feel tension there is tension it's just whether mm. it's in the sense of for my life or in the sense of what will happen in this fight because there is still risk of injury there's still risk of yes. things. there's a lot of there is tension there so is what tension. Would you, yes. you would have to define so, what that means right so for um for let's use the the comparison of a boxing match and a domestic violence okay. case okay, yeah. Um, so in, in a boxing match, there is that tension leading up to it, but I would say that that is um, more so, I would say that that is more competitive tension than uh, anger tension or, or fear tension. There is fear, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you are still going into the, the, you know, a boxing match. You are still going to be getting punched, you know, mm-hmm. it's... It, you yeah. are you are going into to, to danger yeah right um but i would say that in the i would say that both people are in a boxing match are more the, so to, to 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 go on a slight tangent go i guess <laughs> um i would say that in a domestic violence case mm-hmm. um one the, the recipient is, if they don't know that they're, you know, what, what's, if they think they're the problem or, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, the yeah. situation is. Um, and again, it's case by case. I, I'm, I'm just kind of generalizing no, no, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think one party is being manipulated emotionally 
into thinking that they're the problem while they're getting beat upon. Mm -hmm. And also, sometimes people just don't know. Like what's what's best for them. Yeah, they might, but they also yeah. might not know that like another alternative life exists, mm. right? Like the, because the only life they've lived has been one in which that they have been abused. Yeah. And so they probably don't know what it means for somebody to truly love them and care for them. But does that a, negate the fact that it's violence? And then the secondary mm, question is, well, how does tension contribute to that? Because so, so, to say, the reason why I say that is that, you know, this was obviously the example of domestic violence was a form of resolving the right. sort of, I'm leaving you for dead versus we are hugging it out at the yes. end. So, so yeah. I, yeah. So I would, I would say that... Um, to, now to to compare uh, a domestic violence case with a uh, a bar fight, um, they they have both been not necessarily caused, but the the root issue of both of them is some form of uh, emotional Instability. manipulation, I guess, or okay. instigation, yeah. right, from one party to another. Okay. Right, in which one person, for like instance, in the bar fight, one person is mad at another person and they want to, to release their anger on that other person. Whereas in a domestic violence case, somebody is uh, manipulating the one person emotionally into believing that they're the problem, that they're, you know, there's, on, there's yeah. malpractice in, in both of them, I would say. Okay. Whereas in boxing, it's strictly a com like competitive, like which one of the two of us is better. We both signed up for this. We both wish to, 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 to take the fruits of our training, the thing that we have both been pouring countless hours of our days for, mm -hmm. um, to see which one of us comes out on top. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily, uh, oh, I need to, like, some some boxers will go into the ring with the mentality of, I need to kill this person, mm -hmm. right? But at the end of the day, you don't want your opponent to die because... What well, can you say the same about a boxing fight or a bar fight? Like, I might be angry. I want this person to die. But, like, once I kind of calm down, I'm like, wait, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want this person to die. Like... I don't think the realization second, like, post hoc of, like, or even in the middle of the fight, right? Like, if I'm going with the intention of killing you and then halfway while I'm beating up, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? That doesn't negate that that was violent. That's true. I will say, I will say, I have been in some matches in the boxing ring where I've definitely felt like the, the person across from me has just been trying to be violent. Yeah. You know? Um, so the sport... Which I still have the the main criticism, but um, you would say that at this current junction, the sport may not be violent, but there's people who can turn it violent. It's like there's a ten, they, there's a capacity for that to happen. There is a capacity for that, but I think just if, like most things. I think if it's like a true boxing, I think I think the line gets a little bit blurred in combat sports because people can use it in one way, right? Mm -hmm. But un, under like a martial arts kind of like. Um, background and discipline martial arts should not be used for violence mm -hmm. right they're they're another tool for helping control and emotion mm -hmm. um but some people can use those as an outlet for violence mm -hmm. because they're, they're using it as a, as a as you said like a spontaneous reaction of anger yeah. or some sort of frustration so i think that's a perfect segue to go back to my my original 
main objection, which is you emphasize spontaneity in the definition of what violence can be. Would you consider a mass, a planned mass murder violent? I would. And is it spontaneous? For the people, for the, for the recipients, it is spontaneous. But the, the, so is it just, is violence just perceived by the recipients or is it also? Well, it's, it's spontaneous for one of the parties usually, right? Because one of the parties doesn't wish for the act, the violent, quote unquote, violent act to. What about war? Um, I think war, I think war is unnecessary. But it's violence? (laughs) war is pretty violent (laughs) war is pretty violent i think yeah war is pretty violent and i i i i'm a a big uh what's the opposite of proponent uh is there a word antagonist no proponent i'm i'm Against, I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I'm very much against the war in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, but I guess yeah. I guess war is pretty violent, and war does kind of qualify under all of the 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 like the categories of boxing, other than the fact that there's a referee. Who. Yeah, it's who just it, it, it. it's it's yeah. It would be contingent on. Um, Surrender versus yeah. someone like if there was stopping a, of yeah, preventing if there was a third thing. party that was overviewing war. Yeah, then it would be. Then a war might not yeah. occur as frequently. So to clarify <laughs> for anybody that may not have potentially seen the implications of that, you know, just spelling it out for the audience. Essentially, by making the criticism of law, the main definition of violence being spontaneous fell apart because you've you've had two people who have planned violent violence against each other. And then the the analogy, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that um, you know that Eugene kind of caught is that if you can say that war is violence, then boxing is just dwindling it down to two individuals. The only difference is that a ref is there to determine whether it's going. So it's controlled violence. It's controlled violence, which is which is a form which of violence. Is for, yeah. Which is a form of violence, but that is that is totally okay. Yeah. So. With that, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, the, the original question is when is violence necessary? So, I mean, we can talk about, you know, when that becomes a thing. Like, is it, is it ever necessary? Is it in control? Is it like, where, where do you think? I would say violence should only ever be necessary in that controlled state of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, in real life, uh, would you consider self-defense as violence? Uh me personally probably yeah. like if somebody throws a punch at me and instead of me throwing a punch back i instead like grab his wrists and hold his wrists behind him or something like that was it a violent encounter yes am i exerting violence not necessarily no that would be my my opinion but what what are your thoughts but then, on that so but then was so you're saying that that wouldn't be considered violence me grabbing their hands yes I mean, like you restraining the the person that was that just caused a violence a violent action upon you. I mean, because, the the whole sequence of events, yes, but you're trying to get. I mean, yeah, I guess you're exerting some sort of force, so yeah, you can consider that violence. Um, 
Yeah, we would have to, I guess, define what violence is, which we really haven't. We've just, we've been talking about examples, so maybe we can synthesize a definition. So what is violence to you now that you, we've gotten rid of spontaneity? I can't come up with a definition right now because my, my previous definition that I came up with got, got, <laughs> got, got a debunked. Little, so. Got a little... <laughs> That's okay. So I, I can't uh, necessarily... Go. That's fine. Um, you know, I haven't really thought of a definition for violence. Um, you know what? I mean, I think, I think that before we can even answer, you know, because this is the when whole is point. Necessary? is to, yeah. yeah. We would have to define what violence is. We've already, we're already stuck on that. So I think that's, I think that's a good way to, to stop the question. I think that's a perfect stopping point. I would say that violence should never be necessary. Personally speaking, I would say that violence is never the answer to any solution. Well, you know what? Instead of maybe asking when violence is necessary, let's 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 elaborate on the parameters of violence in a definition. We don't have to come to one, but we should maybe think of the examples, right? So if we're going to come with the principle, let's go with some of the, the nuance of mm -hmm. it. So we're talking about violence should never be useful. I mean, do you think that some wars are just about you're against war in the sense we should never do it? But what if, you know, what if what if some other country is like, well, they haven't initiated war, but it is self-defense. A war can come about for self-defense if some other foreign country is invading. Take the Ukraine and Russia situation. Ukraine didn't want to go to war, but once Russia was there, it's just like, well, I, I have nothing else to do. So is it the case that... Well, there is something else they could have done. They could have let Russia take them over and be, have Ukraine become part of Russia again. But um, is that... But do you think it's necessary to exert violence if you want to maintain your autonomy? I mean, I don't think you would tell as a boxer i think if you were ever in a situation where as an eastern european myself <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yeah. i definitely think you should fight for your own autonomy yeah um and i think you should in self-defense retaliate if somebody is bullying you yeah right um but i think that if you can avoid violence at any cost mm -hmm. then you should because but there are situations where it can be necessary there are there are worst case scenarios in which you cannot absolve violence. Yes. Okay, so there's that. So that, I think, is a good contributing factor to defining what violence is. Uh, what about violence? Does it have to just be physical? We've, we've only been talking about it in terms of physical. Mm. So do you think that there is... I mean, you've, we've briefly mentioned in um, sort of um, the domestic violence situation... Do you think that uh, it, that it could that you could use manipulation and stuff? So can violence be emotional? I think violence can be emotional. Um, in, but I think that. So I'm speaking on, just like generalizing, kind of like, mm -hmm. a little bit here, um, but I think that the current generation is a bit too soft. Um, in terms of like, yes, I think that there can be emotional violence a hundred percent, but I think that the line of what constitutes emotional violence and just like somebody being mean or just rude or something mm -hmm. like that, I think that line keeps getting pushed more and more and more, um, mm -hmm. to where I think people are allowing their emotions to take over them. Mm-hmm. Right. 
the the question I guess that I'm going to push back a little bit on is please um, if we are making the the declarative statement that society is a little soft when it comes to emotional violence, I mean here we are saying we don't even know what violence means. So what if we redefine violence and they're totally justified? It, it, it's one of those things where can but I'm just make... an asshole, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's I'm not trying to be emotionally abusive to you. No, you're gaslighting me right now. Oh, no. <laughs> I get you. Um, but I think that's I think to, before we can make any declarative statements, I think we really need to hone in on what violence is by itself. And so me asking you whether there's emotional violence or not is just to see whether it's tangible or intangible. Can violence be non-tangible in the sense of, can I say something that hurts you that is considered violent? Is my words violent? So uh, something that- Or can my words Something that kind of um, is in line with this topic is the, the, the Chris Rock and Will Smith beef. Oh no. Right, because, <laughs> yes. because Will Smith uh, caused a physical act of violence upon Chris Rock in slapping him on stage, yes. physically slapping him. Um, and then they had a bit of, of you know, altercation that, afterwards. Yeah. Of word, uh, afterward. And then Chris Rock comes out with this special in which he is just laying it on Will Smith, mm -hmm. uh, you know, calling him, can I swear on this? Yeah, go for it. Calling him a bitch, right? Uh, he, he does a joke about the interview that will and jada did um and like just like laying it literally at one point he's just calling him like a bitch over and over and over like literally just saying he's a bitch like this per person called him a bitch he's that's a bitch move like just constant just like mm -hmm. hitting you know hitting the fact that he thinks that will smith is a bitch for slapping him mm -hmm. um so w which one of those two would you constitute as more violent Objectively, we wouldn't be able to say because we don't know because we haven't defined violence. But, but, but personally, personally, I would say they're both violent. I don't. To me, I don't necessarily think there has to be degrees of violence. Violence is violence. It's just whether it's justified or unjustified. And if it's unjustified, then we have to do something to ameliorate it or anything. But if it's justified, then okay, well, that's that is what it is. I to me, I think that there. And again, I haven't defined violence, so I can't sit here and say that I I could easily be wrong. But to me, there is definitely situations like self-defense or a war where you can have necessary violence. Sure. So in this situation, to me, it's the question—the wrong—it's a wrong question to ask whether there's a violence that is worse or not worse. It is there is violence in the situation. Who's more justified? Who's unjustified? Right. Which one? Or is it necessary in general? Because um, you can have like a good justification, but was it necessary? Well, I guess that again, would make I don't it think unjustified. I don't think violence is necessary in almost any case, other than like self-defense if your life is on the line then yes yeah you know? um but if somebody is just like bad mouthing you or just saying like mean things to you or something like that i don't think like if somebody's saying a joke about your wife mm -hmm. being bald because mm -hmm. she has alopecia mm -hmm. but she doesn't even have that bad of alopecia like she still looks fine yeah <laughs> like she's still a beautiful woman yeah you know? which um, would which would to me that is still like, I would classify it as an instance of, okay, maybe violence is a little bit hard of a word, but I mean, to remain consistent, I would have to define that as violence, but it would be unjustified, or it would be, it's not justified, it'd be unjustified violence. I, I lean towards, and this definition definitely could change, 
that in any form of active antagonism is sort of some is some semblance of violence, which I can easily be refuted. I have not thought about this at all. But with that definition being said, I would have to qualify that as an instance of violence. Because um, I do wholeheartedly believe that words alone can be violent. I, I think that's you know emotional as we've talked about I again I also completely agree with you in that words can cause a lot of emotional damage yeah um but it would depend on the parameters and so because of that I don't think I can tell you a definitive answer because I don't have a definition of what violence is um my gut leans towards obviously that it wasn't justified to go up there and slap you know Chris Rock I don't think but I also don't think it's justified to just keep calling him a bitch either like i don't i don't think you're adding fl- to me my instinct is and i obviously haven't seen the special but my instinct is that well like that's like to me that's a little hypocritical is like okay like if you really why are you so butthurt about it that you're making a whole special about the situation you know like yeah it obviously sucked and that was a situation why was going. will smith so butthurt about just a oh yeah a one-off joke oh yeah i'm i'm saying the criticism is there is there like a chain of of, of const of like but that's the point that i'm making is this sort of succession of he does something that's unjustified you do something that's unjustified that to me that dynamic in a, in its entirety to so me is robbie's code huh Huh? You're not a fan of oh. Ham- Hammurabi's code? No. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I don't like it. <laughs> I'll accept that. Um, but because of that, I would say that because there's so many unnecessary, purely out of spite, it is violent. Uh-huh. The whole situation. Not the, like, maybe not Chris Rock initially saying the event, but that, so for me, I think the debate personally on the situation would be that is, is what Chris Rock said to Jade, Jada, right? Jada? Yeah. Is, is that violent? I don't know. I would lean towards no, but I could be wrong depending on my definition. Is what Will Smith did to Chris Rock violent? Yes. Is it unjustified? Most of it, yes. There's like maybe like a 2% like, yeah, I can, I can get it. Um, whether I agree or not, like that is what it is, whatever. But, you know, is it justified? No. And then what is Chris Rock doing? Because he's instigating again, that's like, well, okay, you know what you're doing and you're only doing it out of spite. Like, that makes it this back and forth unjustified sort of yes. bickering. And that's why the whole situation is a violent situation. Obviously not on the same sort of grounds as like a war, but it would, to me, I my gut is leaning more towards that it is a case of violence in its entirety. Now, this could change if we define violence differently or if we right. were to, you know, do whatever, but that's what I would say. Yeah, so I think I think that would be, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I think what the summary of all this is that we need to define what violence is before yes, we can talk absolutely. any more about it. So yeah, I think that's good. I think that's all the questions I have for you, my guy. Hopefully this was interesting enough. I'm sure it is. If not, we'll re-record. Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> and you can come back. Uh-huh. I'll just make it one of the first episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so that when, so that ten years down the line, you can be like, yeah, if you look at my old episode, they were all shit. <laughs> they had no substance. <laughs> no one cared about them. Zero structure. Especially this guy Eugene. Yeah, I don't even. I was like, like, yeah, that'd be great. Anyways, <laughs> is there anything you want to plug? I know you're, you know, you're trying to be a. Um. Um, I'm still working on getting, uh, hopefully I can be on this podcast again. Yes, uh, of course. And I can plug, uh, I'm 
hopefully I can start like a boxing fitness Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if I want to just start, I don't know if I want to pivot my current like personal Instagram into that or if I want to open like a brand new account altogether. Um, so nothing to plug right now. If you, But if you're in San Marcos, April 21st, fight night, come through. Yeah, this might be out in April, so um, April 21st, go to Hopefully, Hopefully I have a fight, hopefully I win. I will put the details in the description of this episode. Alrighty, well thank you so much, and we're going to end it now. Bang, bang. Not our lives, the recording. I hope you can see what I meant by the defining words thing. Still haven't figured out what violence is, but who knows, maybe one of you will hop on the show and steer me in the right direction. I thoroughly enjoyed conversing with Eugene today, and I hope you enjoy listening along. If you'd like to support the show, please follow our social media and spread the word on what it is we do here. If you'd like to be on the show, feel free to message me on Instagram or email me in the address provided below. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, keep on conversing.